Um, I'm going to go ahead and hit record. All right. Well, anytime you're ready, go ahead and do that. Hey, I'm Dr. Gary Lawrence at rejectionjunkies.com, and you're listening to Jeff Smith with Veer Veer. I'm sorry. I got <laughs> screwed up. That's Erase okay. that. I'm All sorry. Right. No, no, no. Uh, that's good. That's good. I love it. Keep going. <laughs> or to take two if you want to. Okay. Hello, I'm Dr. Gary Lawrence, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith. And you can reach me at, uh, okay, I got to say, I got to say my name and my, my website. Okay, let's go take three, Jeff. Take three. Okay. Hello, I'm Dr. Gary Lawrence, rejectionjunkies.com. And you're listening to Jeff Smith, Vroom Vroom Veer. Perfect. And I love all the outtakes. I'm keeping it all. <laughs> all right i'm gonna hit stop i'll be right back okay all right no hurry are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up frenzied and far too often scripted life then welcome to vroom vroom veer with jeff smith where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to vroom vroom beer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. Justin Skinner, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer, and welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Excited to be here. All right. Thank you. Okay. So you are at professionalfailure.com. So talk a little bit about, sorry, that's professional-failure.com. Got to remember the dash. Got to remember the dash. So tell us a little bit about what you're most excited about in your business today. Yeah, it's a great question. I think for me, I've really enjoyed hearing stories from other people around centered around failure. So obviously, I've got the book, and then we've got the podcast, and then you know the Audible book and things like that. But beyond what I'm doing with the book and uh, the podcast, I think just meeting people and hearing other stories. Selfishly, I get to learn a lot from a lot of very wise, intelligent people that are saying, "Hey, I screwed up here. I did this. Here's yeah. the lesson I learned." So, yeah. uh, selfishly, it's been really fun to hear other other people's stories. It's that is the point of this show, right? Yeah. Because you know, and I say this pretty much every show, but I don't care. <laughs> that, like when you're looking at like, if you were to look at like the Instagram version of everybody's life, everything is awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's not. It's and just we all not. know that is simply not true, right? Nobody posts like, you know, that toenail that's growing in wrong. <laughs> And the funny thing is when Instagram. you do, right. yeah, when you do post it, everyone's like, ah, I don't want to follow that. That's gross. Exactly. And so then you, yeah, right. it's like, it's just doesn't work. So I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody just wants to see the highlights. Okay. So yep. <clears throat> later on, we are going to talk about that one time uh, with, with squirrels and mothballs. And I can't yes. wait to hear about squirrels and mothballs. And then there's another story about that involves a ski lift. And uh, yes. I'm sure it's full of hilarity and maybe some injuries. Hopefully you can laugh at me. Yes, at my expense, which I'm perfectly okay with. I, I love it too. I think we get along on that point. Okay, so uh, before we do that, though, let's go back and talk about you growing up. So I'm, I've got some fun questions here. So what's your earliest memory? 
That's a really good question. And it's really interesting you ask that because I don't have people, you know, sometimes will tell stories of like, oh, I remember when I was four and like this. And right, I right. just don't have those memories. But for <clears> me, I don't, maybe the earliest memories I have are of my mom telling me, hey, you did this. And they're in my mind, but I don't play them out, if that makes sense. Kind of vague. Yeah, I think the yeah. the earliest memory I have though is actually having a birthday party. I don't even remember how old I was, but right. having a birthday party and my mom made me a basketball cake. It was an orange cake Ooh. and she's really good. She would make us, you know, all whatever cakes, like Ninja yeah, yeah, Turtle yeah. cakes, yeah. whatever. But oh, that's awesome. that, if I'm going back, is my is my first memory that I really remember is having an orange basketball cake at one of my birthday parties. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I can share. I don't know yes. how this worked out. But somehow I asked my mom for a bunny cake. That's so awesome. The bunny cake was not really all that hard for my mom to make. <laughs> That's awesome. But it was awesome, awesome for me, right? I mean, it was the best. <laughs> yeah. So you and had my a basketball still, cake and th yeah. that would be more work. So, you know, yeah, good on her. <laughs> and she, I mean, she was like, she, she still does her, her and my sister actually still do cakes to this day. And they're making like cows and these like ridiculous, oh, wow. like cakes now. And they mm. just do it, you know, for friends. But I remember she, I mean, it wasn't like she just iced the thing. She's taking the little squeeze. I forget what they're called. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. The icing, the icing bag or whatever. And like one dot at a time. That's oh, what I remember wow. about my basketball cake. It was like right. one dot at a time. And just the That's amount amazing. of time yeah. and effort she put was, was pretty pretty special you really appreciate it now at that time you yeah. probably were just like my mom's great and this is awesome and everything is awesome right but exactly later I on realize you realize right? <laughs> exactly i feel like that happens a lot to me yeah you appreciate how awesome that is later yeah as yeah. a kid you kind of like just think everything's supposed to be you know served up to you like that yeah, <laughs> at least, exactly at least i did i was the youngest of three kids so anyway that's a, that's great i love that uh, you know i i think i made up a story about my first memory like if i'm really honest about what my first memory is <clears throat> it's sort of like uh like like you're saying it's like kind of vague right mm -hmm. like uh i remember having one of these moments where I'm just sitting around and it's like loud and there's lots of kids and we're all playing. And, and I have this thought of, wait a minute, what was before this? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and then, and then I was like, ah, whatever, you know? And then I go That's... about, you know, playing with whatever we're doing. Um, the, the, the advertised first memory was, I think I was four and I was really upset because the last neighborhood kid was starting kindergarten and I had mm -hmm. another year to wait. And I was upset because I was like, who the hell am I going to play with? Yeah. With him going to school now. Um, and I remember being a little sad. That, so, yeah. me. <laughs> I'm going to mark that one down as the, as the most coherent four-year-old memory. Okay. And, and I don't know. I don't know if I should tell this story. And it's you, like, you uh, th this is the first one that I can actually play in my mind. And I told this the other day, I called the friend and I'll tell you how weird, how weird it is after you'll, you'll realize it. But, okay. uh, kindergarten for some reason, uh, I had a really good friend who I still see to this day Oh, that's awesome. and I can't remember who it was, but basically we went out to recess one day at kindergarten and someone dared us to poop our pants. <laughs> so, as, as weird as that sounds, I don't think I've ever told this story to okay. anyone outside, you wow. know, like my, my wife and close friends, but wow. so, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, uh, so someone dared us and me and another friend, I can't remember who it was, but I remember standing by a tree 
and both of us just said, you know, three, two, one, and we pooped our pants. And then <laughs> three, we went two, in. <laughs> yeah. It was just nuts. Yeah. Oh, and like awesome. not only not only like just us two, but then we had a crowd around us like witnessing it because oh, you know wow. they dared us. So everyone okay. had watched. Right, right, right. So we we went inside and I, I remember vividly like sitting down in the chair and uh, just sitting down in a mess of Ew. poop. Yeah. And I know it sounds gross. It is. But for some <laughs> reason it's it's stuck in my mind. And then obviously I had to go to the nurse's office, get a change of clothes, I had to call my mom. And, yeah. and like my mom's like, what the heck are you doing? Like, you don't, you're potty trained, you don't do this. And I was yeah. like, someone dared me. <laughs> uh, so what did no, she say to that? It, uh, I don't even remember what she yeah, said, but I yeah. remember her being a little disappointed that, you know, sure. it was kind of embarrassing. But uh, right, I right. called my friend the other day and said, Hey, hey, Jeff, his name was Jeff, actually. Okay. I said, hey, Jeff, uh, That's do you remember crazy. this moment? He said, Yeah, it was right by the tree that looked like he like it yeah. detailed the tree, too, but it wasn't super, him. super vi vivid. Okay. Yeah, he remembers it too, but he doesn't remember who did it with me. So oh, all wow. that to say, memories are just funky things, how like you can share totally. them with different things. I don't remember I remember so many details except someone's face who i right. shared who the, the memory with kid was. <laughs> yeah it's just crazy it's just crazy sometimes so i hope that story's not too gross for your listeners no, but no not at yeah, all there it is uh, you know what that <laughs> makes me think of something so um i had a, a it job in uh inglewood school district in in socal so inglewood mm -hmm. is there's a lot of title one schools right so lower income bracket schools yeah um that doesn't really matter, but that's mostly where I was spending my time. And I had this epiphany, right, about shame mm. and embarrassment, right? So the, the, I think it was, it was definitely elementary school. I don't remember the grade, but it was something like second or third grade, right? So yeah. pretty young kids, right? And the teacher is lining them up to go do one of those things with parents, Right where they do like a big, you know, conga line of kids and then they yeah. all have to sing or dress up or whatever the hell they're torturing them with, yeah. right? <laughs> and she's lining them up and I just happen to be there, you know, because I'm working on the computers and she's like, um, now don't touch your butt when you're in line and let the, the parents see you because that will, you'll be ashamed. And I was like, <gasps> <gasps> That's how we learn shame. <laughs> Isn't it crazy? Yeah. People, the yeah. adults tell you what what is shameful, right? Yeah. Because at, at that moment, on. like, you know, now you would be horribly embarrassed if you crapped your pants in front of a big crowd of people. I, in I kindergarten, so. you yeah. had no clue that was part of... <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was the yep. sort of the innocent shameless, right? That's yeah. pretty awesome. Which then again, I'm very glad that I learned to not be proud of just pooping my pants randomly in, you know, well, places. Because yeah. it would be yeah, a yeah. mess and I don't think I would have a right. wife. But you were to totally day, so. okay with it, right? All <laughs> the way time, up. I until guess. somebody told you that that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, exactly. Like right. hey, you should probably take better care of yourself, have better hygiene. So yeah. looking back, I'm glad. I'm glad my parents taught me. <laughs> of course, uh, yeah, taught me that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my uh, my favorite jokes from Howie Mandel. Yeah, he was like, you know, I, at some point I realized how I'm going to get over this having a daughter, and then all these other dudes are going to be wanting to date her. Just don't potty train her. Right. He, he was awesome. always like, you know, that was my rule. If a chick shits in her cut my car, she's going home. 
<laughs> that's, that's awesome. I love it. I'll yeah. have to watch. I'll have to look back and watch that skit. Uh, yeah, yeah. A very good joke. Anyway, okay. So lovely. Thank you for playing along. Okay, so um, let's see. So I'm now I'm going through a list of questions that might be awesome. All right. So if you could talk to a younger version of yourself, what would you say? This is like mm. a time travel one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good question too. Like these really make me think. Um, man, what would I say? I would say um, again, like just just don't fear failure. Because um, I think for me, what I've learned and and again, like to this day, and what I talk about is just there really is, and you kind of mentioned shame too. There's this shame around failure, whatever it is. Right. So I would yep. tell myself to to start or stop fearing failure at a younger age and just oh, say, wow. Hey, go after, go after this, yeah. try this, right. uh, work hard. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I would, I would tell my younger self, stop fearing failure at the youngest age possible. <laughs> that, that, cra- uh, the kid crap in his pants. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Don't worry. Don't worry about when the kids laugh. And I mean, still to this day, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm glad I did it because it's, it's a, it's a kind of a fun, a fun memory, fun it story, is. if you will. It is. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun story, but like, I, I can't imagine like everybody like cheering you on, you know, <laughs> it's just, it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. It was, but you know, I had, I had good friends. I still have good friends to this day. So it wasn't like, you know, they just hung me out to dry that they did it with me. So right. whatever. And they, they yeah. and they, and they congratulated you. Way to go, yeah, dude. We were, I remember <laughs> high-fiving. Yeah. We literally high-fived each other on the way in. So That's whatever. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. So let's see this, this one may or may not work out. So that's okay. Uh, How would you describe a perfect day when you were young? And you can pick the age. Perfect day when I was young. Yeah. 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 Uh, Honestly, probably from the time I was five to, I don't know, five to 12, my perfect day would be waking up, uh, eating breakfast, and then playing baseball for like 10 hours out of the day. And then coming home and eating dinner and going Passing to bed. Out. I loved <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I loved baseball so and I love doing active things. So for me, I just any chance I get, I would play pick up Indian ball games or baseball games or whatever it is and right. uh, yeah, so that would that would be a pretty pretty fun perfect day. That would day. be a perfect day. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I I it would that I have to think about it like when I was a kid, we did a lot of dumb stuff. <laughs> Me too. I, I was never really into sports. That's a, a whole nother world of story between me and my brother and like quitting Pop Warner football. Um, I don't really want to get yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think we were playing like weird games. I think my perfect day would be mm-hmm. like, uh, like what you're saying. I remember like running around and doing like a water balloon fight in the summertime with a bunch of girls that I thought were cute. Right. And that was like middle school age. That was an awesome day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah. We had, we had plenty of water balloon fights. I, we would do, I would do anything along those lines. We could make up games or whatever it was, but I just like games in general. So I, I hear you with the the water balloon fights. Those are way too fun. And I still did those in college too. So I don't know if that's, no, that's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, you I know, still haven't grown up. I, I, I can admit something to uh, the world. So, like, a uh, grown up version of a water balloon fight is called a combat dining in in the military. And I, it is, it's like a squirt gun <laughs> slash water balloon fight. 
somewhere in like a hangar or something, right? So there's all these grown-ups and we're all wearing our uniforms and we are like dunking each other. We got super soakers. We got like water balloons everywhere. And it's just the best thing ever. I mean, you can't actually like have any sort of like formal activities at these things because they just become a chaotic mess like immediately. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. It was awesome. It it yeah. reminds it reminds me of another story. And if I'm telling too many stories, nope, just tell all. me and cut me off. No, but no, not at in, all. In college, we would get uh, sometimes a little bored at night, and we lived right next to um, basically a little four building with all the what uh, the uh, Chi Alpha, what are the fraternities and sororities? Okay, right. They all live together. Right. So me and a friend, uh, probably three or four times, would blow up tons of balloons. We'd climb up out on the roof. We're on like a two-story apartment building, right? And okay. we would launch water balloons across the street into the little courtyard where the wow. the sororities would throw parties. <laughs> okay. And so, but it was dark. It was pitch black. No one knew, and we could shoot them up so high they would come straight down. Yeah. And they so had no, no clue. One knew, wow. No clue where they're coming. So we would shoot them and like they would explode and someone would get hit with water, but then they'd look around like it was raining and they'd have no idea. So I don't ever remember hitting anyone, but Thank we would God. just <laughs> drop these. Yeah, we would drop these water balloons in and right. people just would think it would be raining and they'd be so confused. They'd take a step over and then we'd hit launch them on the other, the other side. side of them. <laughs> and they'd, it was just really What's fun. And honestly, on, I, don't, I don't know that anyone ever knew that we did that yeah. um, other than the people we lived with. So, but it was, I mean, it was, it was cheap laughs and uh, yeah. obviously small water balloons, but no one, right, no right. one ever got hurt or, or got wise to it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good for yeah. you. The stealth yeah. water balloon bombings. Yeah. Which maybe I shouldn't give that idea to other people, but no, whatever. I think it's awesome. <laughs> did you have like big medical grade launching thing like uh how we did yeah yeah, yeah. okay the, the medical yeah so tubing. we need we need yeah. three guys yeah so either three guys or we had to tie off one end and hold the other end so yeah. wow yeah that's awesome it was pretty so all that to say i still enjoy water balloons to you know yeah. water balloon fights to this day so yeah. any chance i get with nephews or nieces and they're like hey you want to do a water balloon fight i'm like yeah i'm yeah. in yeah yeah yeah, get the so super not. soaker too. Why not? Exactly. I'll try. Yeah, I'll do that next time. <laughs> All right. So, okay. So let's see. I, this is a good one. So did you get into trouble? And uh, when what's the worst thing you did? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that, that, that one might have counted. I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, I actually should have gotten in trouble for that. I didn't. Um, okay, but yeah, I would say I, I got into trouble growing up uh, quite a bit funny enough but um the worst thing that i did hmm like there's some things i got caught doing and there's other things i didn't get caught doing so right. probably the the worst thing i felt guilty about mm. is i actually in high school uh again it was it was from this is going back to just a friend daring me to do something it was stupid but this is where <laughs> i've since learned to s- say no to things but, right right <laughs> uh we were in we were in a store and i forget maybe it was american eagle or something and someone dared me to try and steal a necklace and Ooh. so i was walking around and i wound up dropping the necklace in a bag and stealthily got out and i stole it and yeah. didn't didn't get caught right um and that was really really dumb of me like looking back and right. i remember you know for 24 48 hours just feeling like shame and guilt for doing this right for stealing this when right. i didn't like it was like a 10 dollar necklace like it was right. like i could have easily paid for it <laughs> yeah but i think it taught me a good lesson where it's like it's just it's not worth it's not worth trade-off. feeling shitty right no for as long as you have to feel shitty for 
Not at all. So yeah. yeah, that was one example of me not getting in trouble really, but you know, I I took it back and like apologized and they didn't, you know, press charges thankfully or anything. Wow. But wow. Yeah, I felt I felt bad for it. Um and then really overall, I think I was just more curious as a kid. And so I did a lot of things. I got I was kind of bored in school. So I would do a lot of, you know, dumb things and in, in school. But my parents were always really good about saying, you know, okay, Justin, you did this. Um, they didn't shame me. And I know we talked about shame, but they just said, hey, you did this. This act was bad. Don't do this anymore. You're a good kid. We know you're a good kid. Oh, wow. uh, here's your punishment. Let's move past it. So they were very good That's with awesome. discipline, but I, n- yeah. I never felt felt like a bad kid, even though, honestly, I probably did a lot of things that were were looked upon as bad and stupid, and I mm. could have easily been a bad kid. But um, right. I think my parents really helped me navigate through that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. I was going to ask a question, a follow-up. Okay, let's see. What were you talking about? Damn it. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stealing necklaces in yeah, school yeah. No, in trouble. Oh, yeah. I was, was in ISS. I was going yeah. like, uh, to give you credit for having balls to go give it back. I don't think I would have done that. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I would have yeah. been brave and enough sure. to go give it back. But good on, good on you. Yeah. yeah. So it yeah, and I'm sure I didn't do it correctly. Like, it was just... Yeah, and I think give it, even giving it back was like maybe even I don't remember it vividly. So maybe it was even like just going to the store and just hanging it back on the shelf and walking out. Like okay, I just, okay, I, gotcha. I didn't want it on my conscience, but I gotcha. didn't sit, I didn't walk in with a manager and sit down and all that. I don't remember any of that. So okay, so you just put I just it, had put to it get, back on the shelf and left. Yeah, I just <laughs> okay. had to get rid of I might it. Be able I just to get away to, with that. Yeah, yeah, I just had to get it out of my conscience. I get it. No, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay. So thanks that. All really good stories and really good answers. So, okay. So let's say you are, uh, what did you do immediately after college, let's say? And actually, let's talk about like some of your sporting career, because I know there's a lot of good stories. And so you were a collegiate athlete. Talk about uh, your athletics a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I love baseball. I love baseball for, since you know I was young, but I wound up playing college in baseball. Uh, my goal was to play, you know, Division One and then play professional baseball. Oh wow! So okay, yeah. So I wound up uh, playing at a junior college for two years. And okay. Again, the goal was either to get drafted or go to a D one. So I stayed there for two years. It was like you know going through the military. From what I heard, it was really tough mentally. It really helped me a lot. Okay. And then I went to a four year. And uh, wound up playing both. I was a two-way player, so I had a successful college career. And just based on that success, I thought you know the next step was professional. And I had some friends that had been drafted, and I had played with a lot of guys that had been drafted. So I just assumed that's kind of where my my path was headed. Okay. Long story short, uh, I wound up at the end of my senior year having a tryout with the Cubs, and they, you know, came to the end of the tryout and said, "Hey, we like you. Here's a draft number. We'll draft you. We'll see you on draft day." Wow! So, holy draft crap. day rolled around. So I'm thinking, I'm I'm engaged at that point, and my wife and I, future wife, are talking about, "Hey, we're going to do some traveling, all this." And then when the draft was over, it it just didn't happen. So it was really just punishing, to be honest. And we really Ouch. had to to pivot. So. One of those things where you just sit, and again, that's kind of maybe one of the genesis of professional failure. It's sitting down and thinking my life is headed one way, and then it doesn't. Mm. And uh, through all of it, you just have to realize, you know, or think, am I a failure, or you know, is my life just leading somewhere else? So, 
there was just a weird, odd piece that I had of just my baseball career was over. And even though I loved it and I spent so much time and sacrifice in it, I just, for some reason, my life was headed another direction. So I was okay with that, even though it was hard for several years. And then, uh, yeah, right after college, I just kind of buckled down and uh, wound up getting a job. And then um, when it went into corporate world and marketing for a couple of years, publishing, right. and then it led to, led to other things. But yeah, it was, it was, I would say three or four years outside of college. It was hard because I was just like, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. This is not what my life is supposed to look like. So I was right. working through bitterness and, yeah, and yeah. things Ooh. like that for sure. So yeah. it's almost like you put on this like uh, identity of I am a failure at baseball or something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And it's, right. yeah, it's, it's definitely something that you have to work through because I, I dedicated 18 years of my life to, to doing totally. that. And when it doesn't happen, when someone says, Hey, you're not good enough. That it's a hurts. bit of a, it, it, did, did it, I know this is going to sound a little weird, but did it sound like an identity crisis? Like who will, absolutely. who would I be it, or who am I now that I can't play baseball? Cause every, everything, absolutely. all of your future projections were I'm going to be a cub or I'm going to be a, a pro athlete yeah. or, you know, and that's, that's an interesting sort of like projection, right? I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm still, I, I bet if you put your mind on it now, it probably still hurts a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that, it, it's that a good thought happen. too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good thought because yeah, you work through it and all your conversations are based around, Hey, it's just on the baseball player, you know, family, friends, whatever. Hey, good job at the game last night. Or, right. Hey, how's everything? How's the season going? How's, how's yeah. your travels? So yeah, it is. It's, you think about, well, what am I going to talk about now? How are people going to know me? Am I just just in the professional baseball failure that didn't make it, right. or you know what? <laughs> what do we transition to? So, Ouch. yeah, yeah. But I think the the good thing was understanding, and I had great mentors and people around me that you know helped me realize, you know, everything that I had built, character traits, all that they transferred to the next phase of life. It wasn't like I just you know I had the skill of playing a sport but that wasn't all there was to me so yeah it was just one moment of failure and not that failure didn't you know reflect on me as a person totally you know yeah. I, I think that's it's it hurts obviously you know yeah that's it hurts a lot and i get that um <clears throat> but i think it also is something it's a lesson that we all learn and the yeah. lesson isn't as obvious i think you know i went through it i mean i think we all go through it it's like just trying to figure out, like, first I want to say, um, like, people do this all the time. They say, like, I am blah, right? Yeah. I am a IT guy, or I am a football player, or I am a baseball player. I am a, and none of that's true. Those are just mm -hmm. things you do. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Those are, you are always a human, or whatever the hell you want to call yourself, but yeah. that's what you are. All these other things yep. are just like little masks that we put on to show the yeah. world, right? Absolutely. It's Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So uh, thanks for sharing. I'm sure that wasn't great. So, okay. So now you're working for a while, right? Mm -hmm. And you're kind of dealing with this um, idea of now who am I going to be? So yeah. how did you come up with this idea of writing this book for professional failure? And, and how did that all come to be? 
Yeah. So, so fast forward like four years into my working career, okay. uh, failure, you know, number two, three, four, whatever you want to call it. Uh, <laughs> I got fired. Wow. I got fired okay. from my job. Okay. So then Yikes. again, it's to the point where it's like, well, uh, they don't want me. So I have to, it was a good lesson because I'm like, am I doing everything that I need to be doing to be a good employee, whatever? And the, the, you know, the short answer is no. There were things that I did that I, that didn't make me a great employee and therefore I was fired. But wow. All that to say, it led to, uh, a lot of good things and we started our own company my wife and i and then we got into you know design and photography which led to real estate which led to really having a lot of uh conversations with entrepreneurs fun the more conversations that we had we would realize you know like there are a lot of failures within the entrepreneurial world but they all look at failure a little differently and and so i that's maybe in the back of my mind. And then I think, I think I just got tired of hearing people like, Hey, I'm successful. I make $10 billion a year. And this is why, because I do these, this, this, and this. Right, and right. For, for me, it's like, well, I, that's good. And, and you are successful, but to me, you are successful because of failures and lessons from failures, not because you made every decision correctly and you're perfect. Right. So that was maybe the genesis. So I started writing on it. I started writing more. I actually wrote an article um, uh, on infertility for a magazine and I realized how therapeutic it was and I just kept writing and fit like the, the theme of failure kept coming up and up and up in my writing. So from there I joined a writer's group and again, had a lot of great mentors that showed me how to do it and showed me how to form a book and kept writing and writing. And then it, That's a lot of work. <laughs> up, it is a lot of work. So That's a lot of work. It was fun though. Again, it was therapeutic and I'm still writing to this day. So it's, it's been fun. So you can actually sit down at a blank screen and just write. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I think <laughs> it's, it's a, I think it's, it's a, I think it's a, yeah, it is hard. I think it's a discipline. And honestly, there are days, some days where I sit down and I'm like, oh, this sucks or I write or yeah. I just feel like oh, I'm not motivated. And the thing that helps is, is obviously reading. Cause for me, I don't feel like I'm coming up with like all these original thoughts. Mm. If I can read, like right now, I'm like headlong in, in C.S. Lewis books, which ooh, he has some ooh, heavy, heavy, whoa, heavy really? books. Okay. Yeah. I only so, know that one famous one uh, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. No, the other one. The one that's um, three, a list of three things, and I can't remember what it is. Oh. <laughs> there's something um, about a wardrobe, and there's a mirror. Oh, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah, there it is. Yeah, the lion, yeah, yeah. The Witch, and the yeah. Wardrobe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's his I fiction think I stuff. I he's got. yeah. It's really good. I mean, it's yeah. obviously, I love the movies, too. But then he's got uh, nonfiction work, too. And he talks through, like, the problem of pain and, and grief and all. And it, it can get pretty heavy. Okay. But um, all that to say, like, I love wisdom of old. And I love mm. all these old writers that, you know, you, they can pull things out of you in a different different perspective. Mm. So for me, if I ever get stuck, I just read. And then yeah. from reading, I take notes. And then I can read. So the blank screen doesn't scare me like it used to. Right. But I can understand when you sit down, you're like, how am I going to pull thoughts out of my head? From what I found is mentors and books and podcasts, that's where my brain starts working. Right. Okay. Uh, otherwise, if I sit down, I'm like, okay, what what do I know? Like all knowing Justin, what, what do I have to share with the world? Most of the time, it's nothing. It's just me <laughs> collecting, <laughs> collecting thoughts yeah. and be like, hey, I learned this from this person or I learned this here. Let's combine two thoughts together. What yeah. would it look like for really? this? Yeah, so yeah. that's kind of that's that's kind of my writing style, to be honest. I think I'm starting to see that like that's about like um where I was with the idea of me being some sort of authority about how to do anything. I don't want to yeah. talk about that. 
<laughs> yeah. yep. I, now, now, can that happen? I like to think of like me uh, and my memories, right, and my life experience is like a black box. And yeah. how, how you pull that out is having a fun conversation, maybe exactly. with alcohol. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's what makes you unique, too. And, the, and that's the great is you have all this wisdom of old and all these stories and parables, right. but then each person applies it differently and they right. have different perspectives. And that, to right. me, is why you can write a book, because sure. you can take your own stories and you can wrap it into a lesson that you learned from somewhere else. And like, that's what I If love. I were ever yeah. to write a book like that, I would probably hire somebody to write it with me, and then we would talk the book, if that makes any sense. Like just a long series of chats, and they just record it all or something, right? And then transcribe it into a book. I know plenty of guys that have done that, and it worked out really well. Yeah, Frank Zappa wrote his book like that. So there's the real Frank Zappa book. It's awesome. And that's what they did. They just sat down and did what we're doing right now. And and then they chatted for as long as it took. And then the book came out. I was like, yeah, Yeah. I could do that that, because I don't want to sit down and type it. (laughs) Yeah, you should do it. You should do it because I was pitched on that too. Someone said, hey, I'll be your ghostwriter. Uh, basically sit down and talk with me for two hours and I'll write a 200-page book. I'm like, well, that takes no time. Yeah, that's not long enough. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, it's not long at all. But it almost like, you know, based on that compared to how long, you know, it takes writing your own and do all, the right. trade off was like, well, maybe I'll do that down the road. But the writing is that's more like a memoir. Me. That would be yeah. like, like if, if you wanted to do a memoir. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So talk a little bit about like what's come after the book and mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit about the podcast, because I bet you yeah. have a blast on this podcast. Yeah, the podcast is fun. The the biggest so the book and the podcast and all that the the most fun for me uh, that's come out of this is just relationships. So being right. able to you know meet people. I actually just got a video uh, from a good friend who sent me a video and he purchased a bunch of books or I sent books to the Mizzou uh, Mizzou Di- Tigers baseball team. Okay, so he sent me a video of like my book and all the lockers. So oh, it's really wow. cool. It was really, really cool to see. So for me, I think the fun part is, is I, I grew up on a farm, a dairy farm. So I have a lot of farming analogies. So I love looking at the book as like just planting seeds. Yeah. So like oh, I'm planting all these seeds and then I don't know what's going to come. Like it's not like, you know, I have this like timeline in my head, mm. but I have had some really fun conversations that people said, hey, this book motivated me in this way. I'm trying this. That's right. been really rewarding. And then uh, the podcast was fun, and it's been a really fun learning experience because you're up to like fifty uh, episodes. Yeah, fifty episodes. Um, yeah, so that will be nice on our way to a hundred. And then yeah. uh, I I can look back and as I'm going through you know my first ten episodes, I realized how terrible I was and how bad I sucked. But <laughs> I went in. I, that means I you're doing that. it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like I know right. I know my guests were my guests were great and my guests were very gracious to come on the show with me. Right. But just looking back, how nervous I was, and and I think that's part of the process too, is just saying, hey. I'm going into this knowing I'm going to be terrible. Uh, I'm going in writing my first book knowing it's probably not going to be the best ever written, but I'm going to do it. Mm. And then we will learn from there. And that's been the most fun part is, yeah, doing the book, the podcast. Uh, Even though I don't know everything, I'm just going to learn. I'm going to pick up tips from people along the way and hopefully get better. No, I think you're probably like at least better than I was at show 50. (laughs) Well, that's, nice. can, that's only 
<laughs> That's nice, very nice of you to say. Well, and the, the, the good thing about me was I had like, I want to say about 60 shows of one podcast from way back when mm-hmm. that nobody ever listened to and it is thoroughly gone. Um, <laughs> so I got most of my cringe stuff out, right? It was yeah. just like, okay, that, that was fun and really sucked. <laughs> yeah. But the suck is part of the fun. Yes. Yes, for sure. Then I did another podcast for about a year, a year and a half. And I, and then I realized that I wasn't talking about the thing that was named the show. It was called Mm -hmm. Dink Lifestyle Business. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it was sort of like I was spitballing and just trying Uh to come up with an idea of a podcast and I wanted to monetize it, you see? Yeah. So I wanted to talk, say something about business in there. Right. Yeah. So we didn't talk about business and we didn't talk about being so DINK is a acronym for dual income no kids. Oh, and so my wife and I are dual income no kids. So are you, okay. by the way. Yeah. We are <laughs> right? too. Right. Yeah. But we never talked about that because nobody none of my guests were DINKs. Interesting. So I like the idea, but yeah, that's interesting. What yeah, don't what do saying. it because it sounds like a good idea, and then you realize that nobody knows what a dink is because that. Yeah. <laughs> they, and, and if they think they know, it's something other than dual income, no kids, because it's. And then yeah, yeah. they're like, "Well, I don't want to be a dink." Are you right. Yeah. Nobody wants to identify as a dink, right? Yeah, dink. That's funny. <laughs> so that was another set of shows. I don't remember how many there were. Good thing though was because we didn't talk about dink or really business at all. Um, I, I recycled a lot of those shows and made nice. them vroom, 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 veer shows. So at least like it that. was something useful. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that you just went after it. You tried it and then, you know, you pivoted too. Yeah, yeah, spitballing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, right. So anyway, so, okay. So let's, um, let me see. Where should we go next? I have questions over here that were on your sheet and some of them I liked. Uh, all right, so let's talk about how you learn to navigate failure. I mean, you've talked yeah. a little bit about that now, but let's do the thing where you say, I used to think about it like this and how you've changed and how yeah. you reframed how you look about uh, look at failure. Yeah, I, I, I honestly go back to my parents at a young age and I realize looking back how um, fundamental they were in my, in my outlook of failure. Oh. And I like to kind of kind of say like, or at least give the visual of like a fence. It's almost like they, you know, they they allowed me to fail within this certain area. And then as I got older and I proved, okay, I can take this on and take this on, they expanded that fence. That's the way I like to look at it because again, they, a lot of times they were very encouraging and I'd mess up with something and I do something really stupid and right. you can look at it as a failure and they would say, hey, it's okay. Get back on the horse keep going. Mm. Oh, that's so I know great. they were very, very vital in, in how I formed failure. The other part is baseball. Um, I, I do believe sports taught me a lot about failure and I didn't always handle it well in baseball, but you know, in baseball I'm getting out, you know, seven out of 10 times and I'm still an all-star if I do that. So there's a lot of failure, a lot of moments of anger that I had to work through, like failing in sports that I think have helped me to this day. And that's why I still, I, I recommend, you know, younger kids playing sports if they can, uh, just right. because I do, it teaches you that you're not always going to win and you may prepare really well and you may, you, you may 
be the team that should win, but it doesn't always go that way. And I think that transfers well to life as well. So those two things, I think parents and then my sports helped a lot. Gotcha. So before we forget, oh, and by the way, I I agree with all of that. It's like the the reframe of failure to be like, like a necessary part of the process. Yeah. It's like, like, Imagine trying to learn a new language and and making sure you never ever say a word wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> or yeah. or like uh, learning to walk, right? Like yeah. let's say you're a toddler and you get up and you fall down and you go, I guess walking's just not for me. Yeah, <laughs> it just yeah, exactly. It's a great point, <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's required, right? And it's yeah. not that big of a deal. I think we uh, we learn. Again, when we talked about how those kids in second grade were taught how to be ashamed of things, yeah. right? That translates badly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and it, it gets can, attached yeah. to failure, right? And yep. now we figured out that, you know, perfect is, you know, not great. Perfect is yeah. like near impossible for humans. It, yeah. it's, 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 a, it's, an, uh, it's an ideal. And I yeah. guess you can strive for it or at maybe a better thing is excellence, right? You always yeah. want to keep failing. So you get better at the thing you're trying to do. Right. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Before we forget, um, squirrels and mothballs. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> let me tell that story. So, so the last, the last house we had, and, and I can set this up by saying squirrels have always, I've always had this love hate relationship with squirrels where it's like, I love watching squirrels, okay. but then I also, uh, I don't know. I just, it's, they annoy me sometimes. So. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know why. But anyway, I always wanted a pet squirrel too. I had a friend yeah. that had a pet squirrel once wow. and it was awesome. It was a flying what, squirrel. And what I, was but his I name? still, I don't remember. Damn I don't remember it. the name to be honest. But okay. if I remember, my pet if I remember was the, Charlie. You did have a pet squirrel? Not really, but I wanted okay. one. So yes. there was this squirrel that hung around, and I started calling him Charlie. That's and awesome. I wanted him to be my pet, but you know he's wild, and he left. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. If you don't tame them young, they don't stick around. No. No. For sure. Yeah. Well. Uh, so anyway, I had this squirrel, like the last house we lived at, I had the squirrel that uh, for some reason got in our attic and we found out that it was not only in our attic, but it was chewing some wires in the attic. So okay. we had to have an elect- electrician come out and replace the wires. So I had to figure out how to get rid of the squirrel. I was trying to find a humane way to get rid of the squirrel mm. and at least just chase him off. Mm-hmm. So I wound up researching and I found out that mothballs would do the trick. So. I went and bought mothballs, which I'd okay. never heard of before. I'd never used them. I didn't realize how strong they were until I bought them and opened the package and about knocked me over in the attic. Right. Um, but I set them up in the attic where the squirrel was, and I, I kind of sprayed them or spread them all around our attic. Okay. Uh, it worked really well. They never came back. But about two days later, I wake up one morning, and I walk into the kitchen. I'm like, all I can smell is mothballs. Throughout the whole house, the whole house just started smelling like mothballs. Wow. So, uh, I, I, yeah, oops. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> it, it was, I had to go in the attic, pull all the mothballs out, and then, uh, and then get rid of them, obviously. And luckily, the squirrel never came back. But I think I learned that, uh, really, like, there can be a solution that, that, you know, solves your problem, but then it just creates another problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's awesome. So with the, the squirrel, the squirrel never came back, but we it took about a week to get rid of the mothball smell yeah, in our house. So, wow. So yeah. what so describe mothball. What does it smell like? Oh it, my goodness. Is there another it's like sm- a 
it's like a chemical punch to the face. I don't know. Okay. It's it's I don't know how to explain what a mothball. Yeah, it's just it's it's a very chemical. Yeah. I'm a, uh, let's say this. Let's like laundry detergent mixed with bleach. I I don't know. Okay. Like, Okay. I don't know if that it's got if a bleachy at all. and a flowery kind of like it's just fragrance. a very unique smell. But when yeah. it hits you like bleach, it just kind of knocks you backwards. Okay. Gotcha. So yeah, gotcha. if you ever want to go experience it, just go open a pack and See, so smell I, it. And I had no idea what the hell mothballs were for, other than I I'm I was guessing moths. But yeah, they, they keep moths away. Right. But they also keep squirrels <laughs> away. But they I mean I understand why because a squirrel would really probably stink. just be yeah. yeah unconscious. Yeah. Wow. So, just knock its yeah. ass out. <laughs> yeah. So don't put mothballs in your house. That would be my lesson, yeah, to, to spread. So yeah. what happened on the ski lift? Yeah, so the ski lift was, I just learned how to ski this year. I've oh, I had wow. never been this to a year. mountain. All right, I love this it. This year, yeah. So okay. uh, never really had gone to a mountain. I went to a fake one, but went to a mountain for the first time this year. And uh, I was on on the getting on a ski lift. And so my friends that I went with have been skiing since they were young. So they're okay. very experienced. And right. they said, hey, you should come with us this time. So it was really fun and it was it was a learning experience, but I got on one of the ski lifts and as I got up, one of my skis clipped off, like it just caught on someone else's ski and it popped off. Oh no. So I lose it as I'm going up and I'm thinking like the whole time, because I'm still a new skier, I'm not like the best. Right. And I'm thinking like in the first two seconds of me losing it, like, well, I don't want to go to the top of the mountain and only have one ski and have to either slide down my butt or <laughs> ski on one ski. <laughs> So you jump off. So I didn't. Yeah, I didn't ask anyone. I was just like, it was, the moment was there. We were probably eight, nine feet off the ground. And at that point, I'm like, okay, I either go to the mountain, top of the mountain, or I just jump off now and I'll get it. So I jumped off and my friend's like, what are you doing? They're laughing at me that, you know, yeah. they're just laughing. So I jump, I face plant in the snow. Yeah. I pick myself up and the, the operator turns around. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I didn't want to go to the top with without a ski. And he goes, well, that's because I well i that's why i gave it to the the person behind you and the guy in the ski lift behind is just holding my ski and he's bringing <laughs> it up to me so i had no idea again this is like i this had is no part idea of the, either i might have jumped yeah. off too so don't feel yeah. too bad <laughs> exactly so I, so the whole ride what was are stopped you doing? <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah. they stopped the whole ride the whole ski lift they stopped it people are like groaning and moaning they're like mm. pointing at me laughing like what an idiot yes i'm just walking wow. back with you know my skis so i just get back in line and everyone's staring at me and i think at that point i just didn't care i was like hey you know what i'm i didn't new. want to go to the top of the mountain I'm yeah exactly new. yeah so yeah, you have all these me. seasoned skiers <laughs> exactly but now i know so now i know if you lose a ski don't, don't jump, jump off, off the ski, ski lift. lift they will bring it up to you so okay that's my other piece of advice see i would have i i might have done that yeah. so don't feel yeah. bad I, I feel yeah. for you in that moment, right? Like, I don't know what to do. Now, yeah. I think, knowing me, I would have wanted to jump off, been too scared, and say, dude, I lost my ski. What do I do? Right? Yeah, yeah. I would have probably yeah. done that. But That's good. the moment where I should have done that. I should have asked. And it's like, hey, what do I do? But instead, I'm like freaking out. I'm you have like a moment. Hurrying. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. It, it, yeah, it was a good learning lesson. <laughs> Good on you. I love it. Yeah. Okay. So as we wrap up, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about how people can get in touch with Justin Skinner. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to the website. My website's www.professional-failure.com. Right. And you can find me on Instagram. You can find all the links on the website too. Um, right. And then all the links to the book, uh, which the book's on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And then I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, at Justin C. Skinner. So you can find me there. Feel free to 
reach out or and I'm I'm happy to help in any way I can. Yeah, and we're going to put uh, links to all of that good stuff in the show notes. Awesome. Justin, this has been a blast. Thank you yeah, for sharing for my, all of your stories and uh, I think you are officially shameless and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me. I know I have shared some stories that I have not shared before, so thank Ooh. you for drawing them out of me. So Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm picking, and, uh, uh, picking out good stuff out of your black box. <laughs> yes, you are. So you, you do a great job. Love your energy and uh, love your show. So thanks, thanks man. All right. Uh, you have a good one and I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. Vroom Vroom Veer.